Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Hello Rovers fans and welcome to the one and only podcast dedicated to Forest Green Rovers. Welcome to Vegans Forever. This week we'll be reflecting on the 1-0 win at Cambridge United, but more importantly we'll be analysing the shocking treatment of cows in the field that we walked past to get to the Abbey Stadium and we'll take an in-depth look at the appalling meat-based menu. No, Danny, Danny, What? no, what? no, Danny, what, what are you doing? Danny out. This is getting out of hand. Your transfer is cancelled, Danny. Get back here right now. And Neil? Yes, mate. Pass me that sausage. Brain again. And he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Yes! 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 Get it! Hello, I'm Charles. This is Neil. Hello. And this is Chessie. Hi. Oh, and Danny is back to being a cobbler once again after his brief stint with the imaginary Forest Green Rovers podcast, Vegans Forever. Hello, Danny. You okay? Hi. I don't sound too excited about that, Charles. Uh, I'm not. That's why. And neither is Ben Rigdon. <laughs> this is It's All Cobblers to Me, the podcast dedicated to Northampton Town Football Club, the Cobblers. Coming up on this week's show, we get the lowdown on our next opponents, Newport County, from an exiled exile, paying tribute, pay tribute to club president Bob Church, who passed away this week, and get your thoughts in Neil's postbag. We start, though, with Saturday's defeat away at Bradford City. After Charlie Good put us ahead on 20 minutes, things were looking good for back-to-back league wins. Until half-time, that is. After a rollicking from Bantam's boss Gary Bowyer, Bradford came out early for the second half and didn't look back. An equaliser that looked suspiciously like an own goal, though the self-proclaimed best fullback in the league, Michael Harriman, denies it, and an 88th-minute O'Connor winner settled the tie. There was even time for Bradford midfielder Zeli Ismail to receive a second yellow card in the dying moments. So, folks, you've had a couple of days to think on it. So what's your overall feelings about Saturday's result? now neil uh not surprised um worried that more so i think we were concerned weren't we? Well, we weren't concerned but after the plymouth game i think everybody had said hadn't they that that needs to be the benchmark and and you know that that needs to be the level of performance that we expect and overall feelings about saturday's result is that keith curl lost us the game i agree with that 100 percent I don't buy into this big club thing, and I don't think any of us on this podcast do. But what I do... What, that we're a big club? No, 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 that that Bradford are a big club. Anyone in the league is a big club. No one's a big club in League 2 because they're in League 2. But what I do honestly feel is when you go away from home to a club like Bradford that have just come out from League 1, they're going to want to go up the league. You cannot sit on a one-goal lead hoping to get to the end of the match and then take off your main goal scorer, the person that scores most goals this season, I think. Am I right in saying that? I am, aren't I? Yes, so so he scored the most goals this season. You take him off? No, you need a two-goal cushion to get yourself through a match like that. You're on the back foot all the way through the second half. So halfway through the second half, you take off your top goal scorer, put somebody on that's not as one, as, one, as experienced, two, has got he's less mobile he's not he's not got the vision that Andy Williams has got why why bring them on and also then blame him afterwards for you know not performing properly well you put him on the pitch and also a side note you know everyone's saying oh it was close to a really good result no that's not good enough 
we should be going there. We That game was up for grabs. Bradford weren't at the races. We should have had them hook, line and sinker in the first half. We should have been 2-0 up. We should have been cruising. We should have been going for it. Not sitting back, just hoping we'd get through 90 minutes at 1-0. Because that's just not how a football club should work. It really made me so angry when I was sat listening to it on Saturday because it was defensive and it was negative tactics. And that is what cost us massively. Mm, it's far too negative, wasn't it? it was, yeah. You just sat there listening to the radio and you, you kind of get that feeling all through the second half that it's just, you know what's going to happen. And we've said it so many times on the podcast already and we've only been going a year, but it, it's just the inevitable. Time after time when we, we're just listening to it and you you hear us inviting pressure on you as soon as Andy Williams goes off like you say Bradford would see it as well they'd see Williams going off Oliver going on was it Oliver who came on for him yeah was. um and and that that invites them on just just like that doesn't it can we send Chessie some kudos for the hook line and sinker line because I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that and that should probably be the same <laughs> part <laughs> she's right though you're absolutely right with this big club nonsense it's ridiculous isn't it like Chessie's absolutely right. They're in League Two, Bradford. Yes, by the size of the stadium and the fan base, they're a speech marked big club. They're in League Two. They're not, you know, they're not that good either. I mean, they weren't that good on Saturday. And that was the thing. We we should have had them. We should have had them all day long. We should have been two 0 up by half time and cruising. That's mm-hmm. what made me so proud. But we have it's this... the tactics again, isn't it? Yeah, of course it's it the is. negative tactics again, and it's it was like, so this is our chance to make a, a standing. Yeah, you beat Plymouth one week, you beat Bradford another. You, people look at it and you think. Oh, they mean business, but but again, we've just invited pressure on. It's turned around, and we've seen it all before. It's just another. Seems like Plymouth was another false dawn again, doesn't it? Well, one of the things that I, I want to go back to this big club thing, just very very quickly. I I'm in gr- agreement with all of you. You know, the big club tag. There are no big clubs in League Two. However, what I will say, big club, big club. is that. <laughs> however, what I would. However, what I will say is that they've got a much larger fan base and they've got a nice big stadium. And I've been to Valley Parade numerous occasions uh, watching the Cobblers play there. And the atmosphere at that ground, even when it's only, I'd say, a quarter full, it is still really quite impressive. And they, they really do, A, get behind their team, but also get, you know, on the attack against their team when things aren't going well for them. And I don't think we actually utilised the latter well enough there. Uh, when we went 1-0 up, it, it sort of seems like, as you as you guys say, you know, we go defensive, don't we? We look to try and just hold on for a 1-0 win, which ultimately fails. Um, we didn't really frustrate Bradford enough to get the fans on the players' backs you know, to really kind of ramp up the pressure on them. It was more we just invited Bradford onto us and and they created this momentum for themselves on the pitch. But, you know, the crowd also, you know, they could they could basically see it coming a mile off, couldn't they? And I think partly it's the size of the crowd and the way that they get behind their team that makes them, for me, a club that I almost dread to go to their place and, and play against them, not because they're a big club, but because of the size of their stadium and their fan base. But you should be using that. I think you should be using that against them, like you're saying. Though. We shouldn't fear it. We're football players at the end of the day. We're, Are we? Well, potentially, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, I think the, the best way to quiet them is to go and, go and score another one, I think, rather than, exactly rather right. than yeah, shut up shop, rather than you know, inviting them on. And the, 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 When you invite pressure onto yourselves, you're going to get the crowd up in in some ways because they're going to see their team pressing back and pressing back and they're going to sense and smell a bit of blood whereas you go and try and score another one you score two and the game's pretty much out of sight because they'll they'll be leaving the ground like we would be probably to, to I think I think they I think we did in the first half didn't we there was the goal that Billy Waters well he was offside wasn't he he was pretty much off the pitch when he re, regained control it was on the bench he wasn't went he? off the pitch <laughs> <laughs> but I mean essentially you know in that first half we were going and trying to get another goal weren't we it was half time where the changes were made that essentially meant that we started sitting back deeper and deeper and deeper and and, and basically that was just far too early in the game to try and do that wasn't it it was it was far too early and, and the frustrating thing is that I think I wasn't there, but listening to it, it sounded like 
like I said earlier, they were there for the taking. So if we'd have gone 2-0 up, we'd have been absolutely fine. It's the fact that we invited that pressure. It just completely unraveled in front of us. Bradford were not at the races in the first half at all. We could have had that game sewn up in the first half and we'd have been cruising. But because they didn't do the very basics and get that second goal, it all completely fell apart. And Keith Curl really needs to look at the way we attack and the way we get our attitude towards winning games. Because the mentality is, right, we'll get a goal and we'll just sit back. That isn't effective and it doesn't work in this league. And it definitely doesn't work against teams like Bradford, who are desperate to go straight back up. It's really negative. It's, um, it's, it's, I'm trying to think of the term that's not crude, but it's... um. <laughs> This is going to happen. <laughs> Join us next week. <laughs> I'm struggling. And I'm struggling to to kind of put it into words, what I'm trying to say. But it's almost like... Good job you're not a podcast though, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's a bit of a... Is Curl a bit of a wet blanket? Do you see what I mean? Like, it's, it's Bradford away in League 2. Let's go there with the intention to win the game. Let's go there and take the game to them. and. Let's not go there, like you said, Chessie, with getting one nil up and then just trying to hang on. And let's be a bit more expansive, a bit more interesting, a bit more... I mean, he said the other week, didn't he, after we beat Plymouth, oh, well, we know, you know, we're, we're looking to play exciting, attacking football for the fans like that sort of thing and stuff. And then he reverts to type again. And it's just like, it's the small-mindedness of, well, you know, we're little old Northampton, you know, we'll be happy to go to Bradford and sneak away with a point. Uh, no. We shouldn't be. We should be going to try and win every it. single game. We did it against Plymouth, didn't we? And we got what, three one up by half time. It almost feels like half time's the time when Curl panics. So we'd scored three goals in the first half against Plymouth, and suddenly, you know, we don't score any more in the game. I didn't see that game. Did he sit back a bit there? Or yeah, they did. Yeah, they. they but equally, though, I do think it's the Plymouth game. Plymouth were quite strong, so it was a case of, of just. Um, shielding your defence more than anything because mm. they did play well last week mm. and that is the frustrating thing it's the consistency yeah. and the trouble is the w- the reason Keith Curl is going to start to get found out is because we know what they're now capable of because they showed us last week mm-hmm. and because that hasn't happened at Bradford he's he under more pressure because the fans are going to be on his back because we know what they can do and mm-hmm. we know they're capable it's not like they're yeah but we are away it. from home when we go to Bradford whereas we played Plymouth at Sixfields. I mean, it's it's common in football that when you play at home, you, you know, you may be able to do that performance a bit easier. I mean, why? Well, because because you're at home with your with your fans behind you. I think our away backing is is pretty good. It's always one of the highest in League Two, and they they don't shut up the whole game, which is, is a compliment. You know, they're always, when I go to away games, which I go to probably more frequently than home games, we're always getting behind the team. And the atmosphere is always much better, I would say, than what it is at Sixfields. Fair enough. Um, right. You mentioned it when you started your rant, Chessie. Um, <laughs> Did I? Sorry, that seems like such a long time ago. <laughs> but you said, um, you know, Vidane Oliver, you mentioned, and he got singled out by Curl for having not done enough when he came on. I've seen a fair few fans on social media saying that a manager, and this is in general, they say that a manager doesn't come back from blaming his players in public. Do you guys agree with this? Or or could it actually be good man management from Curl towards Oliver? So, for example, he's not done the same thing with Harry Smith, who he's just basically dropped on the quiet. He's not come <laughs> Never out. Never to be heard of again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, he's not come out in the media and said, I've dropped Harry Smith because he's Crap. nothing more than a head on a stick and I shouldn't have bought him in the first place. <laughs> you can leave that to us. <laughs> yeah. Danny, go on. I think it was a bit weird, I thought, to single out Oliver. I think he's done a decent job for from the time what I've seen of him. He wins a lot more headers than Smith, who's about six foot taller than him. He puts himself about a bit. Uh, he's definitely grown on me. I thought I'd, I, you know, I was moaning at the start of the season about him, but I, th- I think he's actually a decent hand to bring on. It wouldn't necessarily start him, but I think he's he's puts himself. He he puts in the effort and he he does his job. I think. Um, I thought it was a bit odd for Cod to single him out, and he had to go at the ref. Keith Kerr was wrong. It's not the first time. 
But it's not the first time he's done it though either, is it, Nick? No, he singled out. He's singled out a few players, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't think it's right at all. It, and it's not good for morale, uh, team-wise, because some of these, these, I say kids, they're quite young. These lads, they need. And he came in, didn't he? Uh, you know, last season. So some of these players need an arm around their shoulder. Well, give them that if they need that. Yeah, but this is a different squad, isn't it? This is a different bunch of players. I mean, he he we we lauded it over the fact that he'd gone and met his signings before he actually got them to put pen to paper and and come to Northampton over the summer. I wish he had. You know, we, <laughs> it's first first manager since Chris Wilder allegedly to have done that, um, from what we know. Um, he must know the characters that he's got in the dressing room and of all of the lads individually. And therefore, my way of looking at it is I kind of go, well, he obviously feels that that Verdane will, um, you know, he'll respond really well to being singled out and criticised in public. Whereas he obviously feels that Harry Smith won't respond well to that because he's not said a word about him in the media. Um that's a very valid point. So, and, and, and the other thing that I would say, Chester, to what you've just said, you know, is that it's a very well heard of phrase, you know, that that's not going to do morale any good. At the end of the day, we're not in, you know, the squad. We're not surrounded by the coaching staff and Keith Curl every day. And how, how do we really know? Unless we go and actually ask the players themselves which I'd love to do, by the way. You know, how do you feel about being singled out? How would you rather be handled? Would you rather be told that you're doing a bad job or would you be happier to actually go and say... Well, let's do it. You know, well, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'd quite happily ask that question. But at the same time, you know, for us to sit here as basically fans and say, oh, it's not good for morale, that. If Keith Curl heard you say that, I, I wonder what his response would be. He'd blame someone else. Yeah, <laughs> Well, yeah, but you do, you do have, you do have two really valid points there as well. You know that might be See? the way that See, they, Neil? they do. Valid. No, you haven't. So. Uh, she's drunk. It's <laughs> 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 so all that time she Come spent waiting for you to yeah. turn up, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know what you mean. Wasn't my fault. Yeah, Dane Oliver's fault. Uh, my issue with with him saying that sort of stuff. I actually, I think you're right, Charles. Actually, that we have no insight into the man management of players and who responds best to what what it may be and stuff. My issue with it is I don't think Keith Curl has ever once took responsibility for a defeat or even mm-hmm. a poor performance himself. Never once has he come out and said, that was my fault, got the tactics wrong, hold my hands up. Yeah, That's all you want. And he got the mm-hmm. tactics wrong in the second half. First half, it, was, it, it sounded a bit better and it was the, the, the typical perfect away performance you know we've got a goal and, and we weren't that troubled in the first half and we, we probably could have got another goal second half he got it all wrong hold your hands up and to, to constantly just blame the players and stuff at some point he's accountable for it right and if, if whatever they're doing on the pitch like you can't put the ball in the net for them and stuff but if, if they're following out his instructions on the pitch then it's his fault if they're not following out his instructions on the pitch it's also his fault because they're not listening to him <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point. In in fairness, I mean, I, I would say if you put yourself in your position, uh, sorry, you put yourself in his position. Now you're you're a manager, aren't you? In your in your workplace, um, I am. If if your team weren't doing what you were asking of them, what would you do? How would you feel about that? Would you blame yourself and say, "Well, that's my fault," or would yep. you actually turn around and go, "Er, why aren't they listening, girl?" They're all horrible. <laughs> I hate them all. No, it's Neil turned into. How did Neil turn into Wurzel oh, well. <laughs> The question isn't how; it's work. when. <laughs> uh, no, and it does happen sometimes. Look, in in any work and in my work, you know, sometimes workloads get questioned and performance gets questioned and stuff. And and actually, I will always, as as a manager of that team, I will take that on my shoulders. If the team hasn't done what they're supposed to have done, that's on me. And it's part and parcel of uh, the way I see it is behind closed doors. Maybe I'll give my team a bit of a bollocking or I'll give that person a, you know, a one-on-one talking to and be like, look, this has come up. This is actually, you need to sort this out and stuff in, in the public and to the rest of the business. It's my fault. It's on me. Look, we'll sort that. That's my fault. We've learned from it and we'll change it. And it, it, that's just the way I choose to manage. My, I, I choose to, I'll, I will take all the blame and the flack 
luckily it doesn't happen too often <laughs> uh, touch wood but um, let's go ask your team <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but that, that's how we'll do it and, and oh that's how I, I approach it that you know they're I'm responsible for their for that team working as a unit and I'm also responsible for that team respecting me and, and knowing that they can trust me and stuff. And if I, if we're getting called out as a team and I'm then in a, in a meeting with senior stakeholders and this has gone a bit business-like, sorry, but if I'm in a meeting with senior <laughs> stakeholders and I'm saying, well, actually X isn't doing their job and Y isn't doing their job. And, and if that then trickles down to those two, oh, you've, you've called us out in front of all these people, then in my opinion, they would lose my respect and they wouldn't trust me and stuff and wouldn't have that working relationship. You call them, I, choose to call them out individually when they need to and luckily it doesn't happen very often because they're a really good bunch but if it does happen that's when it happens just to reinforce your point as well i think the other thing that will possibly happen is um that the people that you call these you know so the stakeholders um that you're basically slagging off your team members to um they will lose respect for you as well because you're not taking responsibility and i think that's maybe what's happening here with keith curley is that we may well I'll, I'll say you, Neil, because you're the one actually making the point. You know, maybe you're losing respect for Keith Curl for the fact that he's blaming anyone but him for what's gone wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I've got very little. I've got very little confidence and respect in his management after the game on Saturday against Bradford. He earned himself, in my opinion and in my head, a little bit of a reprieve after Plymouth, and he showed what the team can do and stuff needed to be backed up. It hasn't been backed up. And his, his post-match interview, in my opinion, was a little bit ridiculous and he needs to take some accountability himself. Look, he's not God's gift. He's never managed a team that's got promotion. He's got this grand idea to manage in the Premier League. I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. And I don't know. He just needs to... And it's easy, very easy to hark back to Chris Wilder, isn't it? Because he was our most successful manager in re- recent times. But actually, he was really good at that sort of thing when he'd made a mistake and stuff. And occasionally, he would call out the odd player, wouldn't he? But he was also very quick to to offer praise to those players once they'd turned it around and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if Verdane scores a goal on Saturday, if Curl mentions it or just ignores it. But that's the other side of it as well, isn't it? When... Say Andy Williams scores a couple of goals and nearly gets an hat trick last week. You didn't hear him coming out and praising him much, did you? Unless I missed it. That, we didn't even come out and say, oh, he had a great game. Uh, such a good striker. We really trust him to put the ball in the back of the net. No, I, I don't remember that happening either. Or Sam Hoskins. No, or Sam Hoskins setting up all three goals. Yeah. I mean, we did it. Game, bless we him. did it. Well, you did. No, yeah, well, I wasn't there, was I? Vegan forever and all that. It's technically, it's technically not our job, though, is it, to do it? That that is his job. That part of of management is to, you know, know your audience and to give out that praise when it's deserved. Because actually, if you're giving out that praise, then actually that's being reinforced to the fan base, and the fan base is like, well, actually, do you know what? This this person's working really hard. We need to we need to be getting behind them. Yeah, that's um, that, that's a really good point. I think. Anything else that you guys want to talk about with respects to the Bradford game? Um, we haven't said, for instance, you know, congratulations to Charlie Good on his first Cobbler's goal. Also, as well, side note, congrats to Charlie Good and all that. But also... <laughs> thanks, thanks for not oh, just Charlie. ignoring what I said, Jesse. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> uh, it's Charlie Good it's as well, popped, by the way. <laughs> it's just popped into my head, right? It's just popped into my head. Does it not remind you of when we had Rob Page as manager? Because it does to me. Well, the fact that he's broken up a, you know, a, a, a winning... Squad, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Like the, the the negative tactics and the sitting really deep and not attacking. The last time we really played like that constantly, I feel, was that Rob Page era. Or, or am I on another planet? No, I think uh, I think the Rob Page era was probably slightly worse. Um, oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. There's an element totally of that. Was definitely there worse. is an element of that. There's an element. It's a bit of a cross between the Rob Page era and the Ian Atkins era without the Ian Atkins era success. Yeah. Is how I'd view it. I don't think so you can that's... call the Rob Page time an era. <laughs> that seems a bit of a push to me. <laughs> Surely to have an era, you need to be more than a few months. <laughs> yeah. The Terry Fenwick oh, era. Oh, what a guy. Seven was. games. Was it seven games or seven weeks? I can't seven, remember. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I'll tell you my issue with Keith Curlin. Sorry. Though. Sorry. I've just thought about this because I was talking to someone about it earlier. Friend. We had this promise, didn't we? Well, no, it was my dad, actually. Um, <laughs> Parents. 
<laughs> we had we had these grand ideas, didn't we? Of you know, look, we've we've given the, these eight youth players contracts, and they're going to be a big part of the squad and stuff. Well, that's isn't it? It is Scott Pollocks. That's right. Pollocks, Neil. Pollocks, yeah. That is absolute Scott Pollocks, isn't it? They don't get a look in, and it's ridiculous, in my opinion. I just putting it out there that the reason why I'm frustrated and annoyed with Keith Curl is A, the tactics, B, the substitutions, C, the rubbish he spouts, uh, and D, the lies he tells. B E S G H I J K L N. Yes, there's a lot. Can we quickly mention the? Can we mention the singing for the singing? Who's singing? The so before the game, the new the the new players were doing their initiations, weren't they? Oh yeah, the team hotel. It was all on on Jordan Turnbull's Instagram stories. There was performances from some of the new players. Questionable, some of them. They were quite but, um, Nicky Adams. Nicky Adams won it. Nicky Adams did a good I job. I thought the Dane Oliver was good. He was. Yeah, You're going to have to explain what Chris they did because did, uh, I haven't seen this, and neither so, might some of our listeners. So Chris Lyons had a great. So like a, he did, yeah. So it's a thing now, isn't it, where um, new players into the squad they they go on an away day and they have to stand up and sing in front of the rest of the team as a kind of initiation mm. type thing. Uh, I can't remember the song what Nicky Adams did, but I know it was. Mind blowing. It was and... it was typical Nicky Adams, wasn't it? It, it was <laughs> excitable and bouncy. <laughs> it was. Uh, Chris, I think Chris Lyons went with. I believe I can fly. Great voice, and he's Special. he's a, not only a cultured footballer, but he's a cultured singer, isn't he? A crooner. He is a crooner. <laughs> definitely, he's, he's definitely a cultured footballer because he's played at Bristol Rovers. Is that how you become a cultured footballer? Then? That was sarcasm. Oh, was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Vidane Oliver did well. <laughs> what was Vidane's song? I blame it on the weather, comma, man. Um, do you think Carl was in the room? For the initiation? I, probably not, I'd say. Normally that no, kind of thing it. gets left to just the squad, doesn't it? The, left to the dressing room, as uh, some managers would say. Yeah, I was thinking he could have performed Brick Shithouse by Placebo. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm the voice of Gaviscon, Max Rushton, and it's all cobblers to me. So that's what we thought about the game. Now it's over to you. Let's find out what you were saying about the 2-1 defeat to Bradford in this week's postbag. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. Postman. Neil. It's black and white cat. So your views this week on the Twitter. Did we have any on Facebook, Charles? No, we didn't this week, no. <laughs> Come on, Facebook. So Facebook's letting the side down, but we've got a few on Come the on, Twitter. Phil. So we've got uh, Daniel Adams, <laughs> who just replies with fuming. Short and sweet. I did see that one. I like that one. Yeah, very short and sweet. We've got Matt Nickel, who is Twitter handle is Baseman Nickel, uh, which I like. Uh, appalling decisions, both on the touchline and from the referee. How their number... Didn't get sent off for an elbow on Oliver, I don't know. He hasn't put the number of the player, so I don't know who he means, but I presume there was an elbow on Oliver at some point. 49? I don't know, just putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, Stampy says, seriously thought we'd turned a corner and we're starting to put a run together. Obviously not. And he's tagged in a little uh, gif of someone tearing their hair out, I think it is. Good gif game, I'd say. Um, Looking at Stampy, he doesn't have much hair, so... um, (laughs) Maybe that's why. He won't be tearing much out. Yeah. (laughs) Too, too many years supporting the Cobblers. Um, Simon Turner on Twitter. Uh, very valid point. It's the manner of defeat of the defeat that hurts more than anything. Hopefully we'll bounce back, but it still looks like we're struggling to move on from the dark days of 2017. I think that's a good point, actually, because it does feel very much like it's the same issues that we've faced for the last, well, year and a half. It's predictable, yeah. isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah. We all knew what was going to happen. We were sort of saying on the WhatsApp group, well, they're going to get one and then they'll probably get another one. And lo and behold, they did. It, yeah. It's it's just predictable, isn't it? So I think he's right there. Um, got Carl Scott on the Twitter who says, we can't just sit back and soak pressure up. We're not good enough for that. Totally agree with that 100%. That's, that is the nail on the head there. We've got uh, Ian Thompson on the Twitter who's... Tomo. 
oh, Tomo, he said Jekyll and Hyde, uh, a very good first half, uh, but also an awful second half. We could not be a 10 man Bradford team. I think that's a bit hard. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the 92nd <laughs> minute, he got a 10 off. <laughs> he can't level that one out, as I don't think. Uh, he then asked the question Should Keith Curl be sacked? I think that is the only question left to be answered. Uh, Ian says, I've had enough of it. Seriously. The posh are laughing at us. Um, the, I love the fact that he starts the next tweet. I'm not finished yet. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he did. It was a three. It was a three. He sent us three tweets. Uh, I think that's because we we interjected oh, at did one we? point oh. and replied saying yes, yes, he should be sacked. He won't be though, providing we're not in relegation trouble. And then he was like, "I'm not finished yet." Uh, <laughs> I didn't know the MK. Scum. I didn't notice the fact that yeah. someone would have replied to him. Yeah, <laughs> the MK scum also laugh at us. Uh, I have become, we have become a laughing stock. I'm not feeling very well, and this may as well be a rant mm. from a 47 year old bloke. I've lost all the hope for the title already. If we keep going <laughs> like this, we will stay in this division division for a long time. He's now finished. Um, um, I lost all hope for the title in uh, 2017. Yeah, really. so did I. But in fairness, that's true. Like, and, and, and he has gone on a bit of a post game rant and mm. stuff. But actually, we're not going to win the title, are we? Let's be honest. So that's gone. No. Not with, how many games have we lost now? Four. Fourteen thousand nine hundred and sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I, I remember, remember at the fans forum that we did, Neil Keith oh, said yeah. that a team could still win promotion after losing <laughs> fifteen games. Right, was that yeah. Keith or was that one of the, one of the? Oh, officials? I don't know. Just, just to avoid someone, some. Sort someone, of, someone said. said someone it. said it. Right. Someone. Someone in it Clarence may not said have it. been. Uh, Keith Carroll, but it may well have been. Um, but regardless of that, I went and had a quick look at last year's league table. The Link- Lincoln lost seven games all season and won the league. Okay, Berry and was it recently lost their manager? By the way, who Berry have the Berry yeah. have lost their football no, club? No. Mate. <laughs> Lincoln. No, Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln. They've gone to manage Huddersfield. Was he really? Both of them, I take it. Yeah, yeah. Or if they yeah, split, split today, up Monday. Ah. No, they're still they're still a, a double. I did not know double that. Double act. Well, good luck to the Cowley like the Brothers. Isn't it? Coincidentally, I've I met them at Rotherham. The Cowley Brothers. Do the Chuckle Brothers? No, the oh, Chuckle right. Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I met them at, um, after a gig once. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Charles, what? Chess, Chessy met met the Chuckle Brothers. No, <laughs> I've never met the Chuckle Brothers. I'm afraid. I well, one of them's dead now. Yeah. So you, I mean, it's just. Just the chuckle brother now, isn't no it? No one comes down to Farmerland. <laughs> let's not go down the Bruce T. Road anyway. Again. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, we've got no, a few hang more. On, we've got let a few me finish more. my point. All right, all right. You had a point. Sorry, sorry. sorry. No, had a point. <laughs> if we blame us in a minute, the poor performance. Good, this well, goodness, you weren't on time. I wasn't. Yeah, it's true. I deserve. Yeah. It. So, um, yeah. So, MK and Berry both lost thirteen games. No team that got promoted last season went up having lost more than 13 games. So whoever said we could lose 15 games and still win promotion, talking out your bum, mate. You don't, you don't approach the season saying we can lose 15 games, though, do you? That's the defeatist attitude <laughs> and the small <laughs> mentality of, oh, a little old Northampton. Well, as long as we don't lose more than 15, we'll probably be in and around there. Looks, let's lose <laughs> one all season at most. <laughs> no, you're right. You're Ridiculous. right, Ryan, move on. Next one. Right. Anyway, we've got... Uh, someone replied to us saying... F off. Um, <laughs> that was Tom. <laughs> it was that was Tom Dams, but I've since investigated and he's actually responding to Aidan Shah on Twitter, who replied to Northampton Town FC on Twitter saying "curl out." So, a bit of a, a difference of opinion Tom-o. there. Um, we've got we've been tagged in from Steve Murphy uh, about Joey. Is she even? Saying never given a chance at the Cobblers, guarantee he'll be signed by Peterborough or Milton Keynes at well, some point. Well, good luck to him if he does. Us. I mean, well done for scoring in Conference yeah. North or whatever it is you're in. Bravo. Yeah. Uh, Keith Curl's game management is the worst I've ever effing seen. Hmm. Ever. I'd say Rob uh, Pages is worse, but I do get his point. It's up there. Who said that? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> was it you, Neil? Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it. No, it was it was uh, Ollie, Ollie, Con- Ollie Canopo. Uh, another one we've got, Keith Curl is the Sam Allardyce of League Two. We'll never get you promoted, but we'll keep you afloat. Effing boring and no ambition. Didn't no someone game. reply to that? 
Somebody replied to that saying that Bolton fans would have taken being in, you know, Europe every year like he was and in the getting that was Joshua the Perry, championship, the so. premiership with him. So it yeah, so I mean it, Sam Allardyce at yeah, one point in time in on, it? was okay. Uh <laughs> Matt we've got him in. Uh, Matt Collins uh, interestingly starts with don't want to speak about it but then does go on to speak about it Um, (laughs) which is good (laughs) come on Colo Uh, don't want to speak about it wasn't able to attend today due to work commitments however from listening to the radio it seems like we invited unneeded pressure onto us at crucial points during the game what was your take on the game mate Uh, we didn't reply but Silzy did reply saying Silzy yeah (laughs) Silzy Silzy said, yes, that was exactly what happened, mate. Disappointing, really, game management, I guess. Uh, Patrick Payne on the Twitter says, Cobbler's first half, a perfect away performance. Second half, inviting a team to attack was only going to end in one way. Bradford's loud home support helped them bring home the three points. Uh, And then that is it, really. Uh, We've got then quite a few tweets about Eric Sabin. I love Eric Sabin. Yeah, we tried to cheer ourselves up. Yeah, we really love Eric Sabin. Which has worked, I think. And uh, we Get also, there was also a, a picture tweeted of Keith Curl as a clown. Um, <laughs> which. That was that O'Toole by any chance? Which got. Uh, no, it was from us, actually. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. oh. I don't know who that was, but um, <laughs> that's gone down pretty well. Um, and that's it on the social media this week because we've got nothing from the Facebook. Um, was there anything from Ben Rigdon, Neil? There was something from Ben Rigdon, actually. Yeah, let me just. But was that that might have been just to my personal inbox, just abuse? Basically, he says he's gutted that you're back, basically, and he hates yeah. you and he wants you dead. And <laughs> a bit extreme. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't think he went that far. No, I've added a bit to that. Um, <laughs> but for whatever reason, he doesn't like you, does he, Danny? He doesn't. I don't know what happened. I, yeah, I'm baffled, but. Well, he doesn't love, like me now. You, now I've had my haircut. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like skinheads. So I'm no. I'm going to have to start wearing a wig. I think otherwise I'll be in his bad books as well. Interesting. Right, we'll move on, shall we? That's the post bag done. That is. That's it for this week's post bag. Keep sending us your thoughts in all of the usual ways. We are at Cobblers to me on Twitter and Facebook, and our email is it's all cobblers at gmail dot com. I'm Chris I'm Wilder, and it's all cobblers to me. On Monday afternoon, we were saddened to learn of the passing of club president Bob Church. Bob was a staunch supporter of the Cobblers and served as the club's president from 1996. For the 10 years prior to that, Bob was on the board of directors. Along with the Cobblers, Bob's other passion was for fly fishing. In fact, he was a world champion in the team event in both 1987 and 88. In 1990, he was part of the team that won gold at the European Championships. Our thoughts and condolences go to Bob's family and everyone who knew him both inside and outside of Northampton Town Football Club. It's All Cobblers to Me is completely free and available through all podcast providers. We want as many Cobblers fans to listen as possible and you can help us. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search It's All Cobblers to Me and get sharing and retweeting us. You can also leave us a review on your podcast app. iTunes is a good one. Just search It's All Cobblers to Me, click five stars and write your review. Uh, keep letting us know what you think about the show and anything you don't. This, this show is for you, the Cobblers faithful. Thanks for listening. The Cobblers' next opponents in League 2 are high-flying Newport County. The Exiles are yet to lose a game this season and currently find themselves second in the table, just two points behind Exeter City. Earlier, I spoke to Exiles fan Phil Adkins, otherwise known as Phil in Northampton, on the Hotel End message board. Thanks for joining me, Phil. Um, you're a Newport fan and their name their nickname is the Exiles. Now, you actually live in Northampton, so you're truly living up to the name. So what's the deal? Why Newport and not the Cobblers? Well, it's going back 50 years. I'm quite an old boy now. I've been the 60th year this year. But going back 50 years, um, it was uh, a game of Sabutio with my elder brother. Uh, I was about 10 or 11 years old, and we had these competitions and I was representing Newport County and a miracle happened I managed to beat him which doesn't happen very often and Newport County won the cup 
And since then, I started following them as a young lad, just from a distance. As I got older, it just kind of stuck, and I'm still there. So you've never actually lived in Newport? Never, never lived in Newport. No Welsh connection. It just, just an act of fate. You lost out on promotion last season at Wembley in the worst possible game. Um, but you've started this season really well. You've not lost a game yet. So there's obviously no Wembley hangover for you this term. Is this your year? I'm a Newport fan and therefore I'm an eternal pessimist. Uh, people say, is your glass half empty or half full? I would say, where's my glass? That's the way I look at my football team. I think we're going to lose every game and... When we're winning 1-0, I think, oh no, now we've got something to lose. And for me personally, I can't believe it. And I think it's taken a while for all of us to sink in. This team we've got this year is as good, if not better, than last year. So the longer it keeps going, we can believe. Have you had any outstanding results this year? Any, any ones that, that really sort of stick in the mind? Um, well, I personally have only seen one game. Actually, I don't get to many games living this far away with family commitments and such like. So I went, always try to get to the first game of the season, which, as coincidence has it, was against Mansfield, our playoff uh, semi-final opponent. So that was a bit of a grudge match, and that was 2-2. Um, we looked okay, but since then, we haven't let a goal in. That's in six games without letting a goal in, and we've only scored one three times, Two one, so we're not really rocketing the goals in, but the defence is absolutely outstanding. And it was the defence where we lost the players from last year. So Michael Flynn's recruitment has been first class on the defensive side. Well, let's talk about that recruitment because, like us, you made plenty of changes over the summer. You brought in thirteen players in all. That's only one less than Keith Curl has at Sixfields. How, how has that changed the dynamic of the team? A lot of the Cobblers fans are, are saying at the moment, we've got to give our team a chance to gel with all these new players. You've had similar amount of changes, and yet you're second in the league. Yeah, well, gelling is a, a football cliche, so it's not quite happening yet, and we don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, ours have kind of clicked from, from day one, it seems. Um, apart from the defence, the rest of it is pretty much been as we were. Um, although Jamil Matt, one of the top scorers from last year, only came back from injury on uh, Saturday and actually scored the winner. So it'd be good to have him back firing on all cylinders again. But but they've just stuck together. And what I've seen, obviously, in highlights and that, we're playing a very aggressive game. We're chasing everything. And I think that's the strength we've got. We're, we've just got the energy now. So other than Jamil Matt, who you've just mentioned, are there any other players in your squad you should we should be looking out for on Saturday? Oh, absolutely. Um, often my wife comes along to the games with me and my son and daughter because of why she's left home on her own. And the first game of the season, she saw a chap on the left of midfield, Ryan Haynes, who we bought from Shrewsbury, and she said, he's quite good. So that means for her to notice it, he is a good player and he, is an, he, he attacks well, scored his first goal, game before last. And he, he's really impressed most people this year. So we're, we're happy, happy with him because that was one of the positions that we, we kind of lost losing Dan Butler last year. So he's, he's currently my star player, I would say. Um, one of my favourite player probably isn't one of the stars. My favourite player is Matthew Dolan. Let's flip that question then onto the Cobblers. Is there anyone in our side that you're maybe worried about having to come up against? Nope. <laughs> so um, as, as an outsider to the Cobblers, kind of then, Phil, how, how do you actually see us as a football club? And how do you expect us to fare this season, do you think? As a club, rather than the team on the pitch, I'd sum it up as a mess and has been for some while with the ground situation. I've given up trying to understand what the situation is without, you know, I read, read the, the cobbler's uh, message boards for them now and again to try and keep up to date with it. But all oh, the mess about the, the stand and the money, that must be dragging the cobbler's 
well down behind the scenes. And I think whoever's doing the football has always got that in the background. On the pitch, they always seem to do the unexpected, uh, win a big game, lose a game they ought to be winning, and just lack consistency, I think, is the way I see them. So what about this season? Do you think it's just more inconsistency we should be expecting? I think you're consistently inconsistent and we're finishing the middle of the table at the end of the season. Fan ownership, huge topic, especially with the likes of ourselves in our fan base and then, of course, Berry and Bolton. Newport have been fan-owned by their supporters' trust since 2015. Can you explain to me a little bit how it works in Newport's case and, and what's your opinion on it as a whole? Right, well, in a way, it's a good thing because you haven't got some fly-by-night benefactor keeping the place afloat and then changing his mind when he's had enough from walking away. So we, I think the idea is to try and be uh, living to our means. Unfortunately, our means isn't very much. There's always the argument about trying to raise more money from the few fans that do attend regularly. Um, now, I mean, previous life, I'll just pay your money on match day and that was it. But now there's four of us in the family paying a monthly figure to sort of be a member of the trust, which all goes into the funds. I've joined the lottery. So it's about putting money in on a regular basis to give the club a fund to keep going. But it still needs thousands more. And it's down to the skill of the manager to manage that budget. He can't go and splash out a lot of money on star players. So we're at the bottom end of that kind of scale. But we seem to be doing all right. So something's going right at the moment. I mean, my argument has always been almost exactly what you've sort of said there, which is that um, you'll end up with a very, very small budget. And I'm not sure that Northampton fans as a whole would accept not being, I mean, look at us this season. There are lots of fans upset that we're not top of the league or at least in the top half. And I can understand why. We've at the moment got quite a large budget or at least a healthy budget. So with a smaller budget, it would worry me that fans wouldn't have the patience to allow a fan-based supporters trust or you know any kind of fan-based ownership to actually go on for longer than it necessarily needs to be allowed to do so. It's not every supporter's cup of tea. Some some people contribute even though it's not their favoured option just for the fact that if we didn't, we wouldn't have a football club. You know, there's, there's nobody there pumping money in. Um, so we, we have to do it ourselves, along with careful management of grants from the Football League and things there. But crucially, the last two years, we've had good cup runs. That's kept us afloat. You know, that, that's, there's no doubt about that. Two outstanding cup runs, you know, good exposure on the TV, good results. That's brought in a lot of money, which has took the pressure off the last two years. OK, well, let's look ahead to Saturday then. Um, last season saw both teams recording victories on home turf. You winning 3-1 down at Rodney Parade. And, and most recently, uh, we won 1-0 at Sixfields, thanks to a brilliant well, strike. Well, that's the last, the last time we lost. One super strike to get the goal, which was worthy of winning that match because there wasn't much else to shout about. That's right. So what's your prediction for this weekend's game then, Phil? Well, looking at the factors of... We haven't let a goal in for six games, so that's going to go wrong against the Cobblers because that's what happens to me. Uh, we always knock up when we're expected to win, but then so do the Cobblers. You've been making chances and not scoring them. I think it's going to be 2-2. Thanks to Phil Adkins there. Right then, folks, you've heard what Phil, the Newport fan, has had to say. Now it's your turn. So, Neil, what are your thoughts on Newport, I wonder? <laughs> uh, I don't like them, Charles, if I'm honest. Um, I don't like their pitch. I don't like their ground. I don't like the location. I don't like the people of Newport. It's, it's one of them horrible places, isn't it? You, you wouldn't go to Newport unless you had a reason, specific reason, and you'd only stay there for that reason and then get out quick, wouldn't you? <laughs> S- sorry. Yeah. Are we talking about the Newport game now? Yes. I've done yes, my travel are. review. Um, they're going to beat us, aren't they? 
More than likely, I'm going to say. Who they got in their squad? They got Danny's usually the fountain of knowledge. In their squads, uh, Jamil Matt. Jamil Matt is in their squad. Yeah, Jamil Matt's in there. Is um, I, I like their forward Padraig Amond. I quite like him as a footballer in this le- in this league. He'll probably cause is that it. because he reminds you of Amond One? The player. Um, no, it's because he reminds me of Almond T. <laughs> <laughs> Almond well T is such a hipster. <laughs> Ooh, get me an Almond T. Um, no. <laughs> Do you mean tea with almond milk? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I have. That's normal. That's normal, yeah, but almond <laughs> tea. It's like, I, have, I have it with my Christmas bourbons every year. <laughs> Long time Those... listeners to the podcast. That one's for you. Yeah. Christmas bourbon. <laughs> so, come well, on anyway. then. Our overall record is a good one, Danny. Uh, we've won 46 out of 91 games against them and only lost 30. Um, mm. So, are we about to see another Plymouth esque performance from our boys in Claret, do you think? Um, no, I don't think so. I think they're going to approach the game a little bit differently than Plymouth did. Um, they're kind of a bit more well-organised, aren't they? I think uh, they're going to come and frustrate us. Um, I think Plymouth played quite an open game. I can see Newport just coming and not shutting up shot, but just being really organised and us struggling to break through for the first half an hour. And that old chestnut of plan B coming into play again, or not coming into play, as it would be. <laughs> so I'm a bit, yeah, a bit concerned about this one. I, I do think that when Plymouth arrived at, at Six Fields last weekend, last weekend, week ago, whenever it was, I think they brought with them an air of complacency, uh, you know, mm. a, a bit of, we only have to turn up and, you know, we'll win. Um, Newport won't do that, will they, Neil? No, no, absolutely not. They're, they're going to beat us. And uh, I think they're going to be ahead of us in terms of how well drilled they are and their game plans and stuff. And if you look at them, like you said yourself, they've not lost a game this season yet. They've only conceded two goals this season, I mean, which yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, they've already scored seven, but they've only conceded two. And if you look at... And they were on the opening days to all draw with Mansfield. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So they've not conceded in, what, seven games, something it's like that? It's ridiculous, yeah. We're, I can't see anything but a loss here. Um, and I'm not confident at all, actually. I think we'll, at the moment, we're, what, 18th, aren't we? And there's a, there's a couple of teams that could jump above us, depending on how they do on, on Saturday. Um so I think we might be a little bit closer to the bottom after Saturday. Jesse, are you looking down the league as opposed to up it? Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a tricky one. I think they're very physical, aren't they? And we don't seem to be able to withhold or withstand any pressure, uh, which is going to make it very difficult for us on Saturday. I do think that um, we are going to sit deep because that's what we've been doing. I think we're going to get undone very quickly. Jamil Matt was the uh, sole goal scorer in Newport's win at home to Port Vale at the weekend. Um, a one-time cobbler's target that never came to be. Um, do you think we should be worried about the Newport number 11, Chessie? Yeah, absolutely. Just because our defence seems so fragile at the moment and I don't think they are particularly good at being aware of what is around them, which sounds really basic, but they don't seem to be able to keep hold of the people they're supposed to be marking they don't seem to be able to keep up with the pace of these really quick strikers and I just think it is going to be a, it, he's going to be dangerous because he's going to run at us and we're not going to be able to cope with it mm, uh, Dom, they've got Dominic Poli on as well haven't they it's, I think it's time from Bradford he's quite a pacey winger as well I don't know if he'll play or not but he's, he's a similar kind of person who will just will just run at us and I think they're going to from what I, the limited stuff on Urban Newport they'll come and play the breaking game and they're going to cause a lot of trouble on the break, I think. Sorry, can you just explain to me what a pacey winger is, please, Danny? It's a winger who has pace, Charles. I just mean I've I've, I, I've never seen one at six fields before. Not playing in Claret anyway. Not since the likes of Ali Gibb. Likes of Duncan Spedding. <laughs> and, um, John Hodge. John Podge. Derek. John, <laughs> John Hodge was more tricky than pacey, He was more tricky. He? Matthew Rush. Matthew Rush. Oh. Matthew Rush. Oh, Matty oh, Rush. I mean, Ricky Holmes. He wasn't even that. He wasn't even that Loads of pace to win. No. no. Ricky mm. Holmes was not human, though. He did, like he literally was like a magician, wasn't he? Did you see that? Is that what's wrong with him now? <laughs> he's, he's suddenly realised he's mortal again. Did you see that he was uh, spotted in McDonald's drive-thru in Northampton the other day? 
Good for him. Yeah. Was it on deadline day, Neil? No, it wasn't actually. It wasn't a deadline day. It wasn't on deadline day, no. Yeah, he was. I was going to say, was it just something you made up? No, no, no. He was genuinely, he was driving a Tesla. I can tell you, Neil's made a lot of things up in a book. And we've all been... <laughs> happy recipients well, of it. Hold on, hold on, Danny. You were you were in a bush last year with carrot, so yeah, well done. In fairness, let's get back on track. Um, so this weekend, after the defeat to Bradford, what what changes would you make to the side, Danny? Eleven, <laughs> all of them. You just make eleven eleven changes, okay? No. Even, even um, David Cornell would... made some great saves. No, so. no, David Cornell's had a good season. I think I was going to say that earlier actually, but I forgot. Um, he seemed like he had a good game on Saturday, and I feel like he gets a bit of undue stick sometimes. And I feel like he's he's had a decent season. I think Sean McWilliams seems to have a good game on Saturday. Uh, so I'd keep that the same. So keep Sean McWilliams back in midfield. Yeah, I think so. Unless Big Alan McCormack's back, but it's unlikely, Oop. isn't it, at the okay. moment? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, what else would I do? I'd keep Andy Williams up front. I mean, I wouldn't. Well, what do you make of Michael lot. Harriman? By the way, best, he's the best fullback in the league. I'm Nicky Adams, and it's all cobblers to me. Don't know what else to do, Charles. To be honest, I'd uh, just attack him. <laughs> attack. I think we've got the players. <laughs> Go out there and attack. <laughs> but boss, we don't know what that is. You've got tortoise. I, I still think <laughs> we need some pacey wingers. Um, <laughs> we've got one. I still think we should be Eggly, playing three. Eggly. Eggly. What's his name? Exactly, yes. Hold on, someone in. tweeted us telling get, me how to pronounce his name, on. didn't they? Do you remember? Isn't it Kaya? Kaya? Kaya. Kaya. I mean, it does sound a bit like you're saying Haya and being very, very... Or like, starting to sing Haya you know. by Outcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that should be his goal That's gift, shouldn't goal it? That's his goal gift, isn't it? If he ever scores. If he ever that gets on the pitch. That is his goal gift. So, um, yeah, Eggly, get him on. Um, Neil, any... Any other changes that you'd make? Any anything specific that you would actually do this Saturday to to try and make amends for that defeat last weekend? I would change the manager, um, <laughs> but I, I assume that's not going to happen and not possible yet. So, who, who uh, would you change it to, Neil? It's not, not my job, Charles, to find out. Find the next Big manager. Um, it, it, that's always that's always the rubbish argument, and I don't mean that. that because you just said that, Charles. But that can I put a name out there that's um, just lost his job today? Yeah, uh, John Burkow. <laughs> <laughs> order, order, order! Now, come on. I mean, he'd, he'd bring plenty of uh, plenty of order to the defence. I tell you what, the one I person who I really done. definitely don't want to be managing my football club, and that's uh, now ex Southend United manager Kevin Bond. No, yeah, mm. I would. What's his name? Kevin Bond. Bond. Yeah, Kevin Bond. The name mm. is Bond. Mm. I would, uh, yeah, it's not our job. And that's always the argument, isn't it? When someone's asking for a manager to be sacked, well, who's replacing with? There's no one out there. It's not our job to find that person. I mean, the issue I've got is I'm not that confident that Kelvin Thomas would be find, find a successful person because he's, he's not got a great track record of appointing managers. For whatever reason, none of them have worked, have they? Um, I, I'd probably start, if it was down to me, and, and thank the Lord it's not down to me, um, but if it was down to me, I'd probably be starting to look internally. John Brady's done a very, very good job with the youth team. Um, he knows his football. He, he plays good attacking football with the youth team and stuff. So maybe maybe give it Brady with a, an experienced assistant. Uh, I don't know. Um, what would you change on Saturday, Neil? Well, I've just told you, get Brady in charge. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I would, I would put, I wouldn't change that much, to be honest, because there's not that much you can change, is there? Um, and it will depend if McCormack's back, like you said, Danny. Um, egg, 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 egg. Yeah, but who do you, who do you change him for? Who do you bring him in for? It's, it's actually a really good question, um, but the way that I would look at it is I would egg, take, egg, egg. I would take, <laughs> I would actually take, Matty Warburton out of the side. I'd put, I'd leave him, I'd keep him Ooh. on the bench, but I'd take him out of the side. I would put Sam Hoskins behind in in the Warburton role, Nicky Adams on the right, and Eggley on the left. Was that Warburton role a play on words, Charles? Nope. Could uh, I want to mention quickly the four uh, bread loaves that were left oh. on the side of the pitch on Saturday? Yes, good, good effort. That, well. good effort. that was brilliant. Good actually, Charles, I think you're onto something there, but I'd probably do it slightly differently. Actually, mm. I think I would. I. I, I Get the drop in Matty Warburton. Um, not because I don't, I'm not, and I will say I don't think that necessarily it's because he's been, you know, 
awful for us or anything just like to that. inject think, a bit more pace yeah just to inject a bit more pace and and to fit a pacey winger into the side that's yeah. the only reason that i'm doing that so i i think i would do that as well actually and i'd bring in hey and i'd but but rather than put in <laughs> rather than put in uh, Sam Hoskins in the Matty Warburton role, I think I'd put Nicky Adams in that role and mm. have Hoskins and Hayar out wide. <laughs> Hayar Hoskins. <laughs> because I think Nicky like Adams the, um... he's got he can pass it and he's he's got a couple of tricks and stuff and I think sometimes he's a little bit wasted outside out wide. And I think Samo said the same thing, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah, he did. Hmm. Okay, well, um, let's give you our predictions for this week's game then. Northampton versus Newport at Sixfields on Saturday, 3pm. Uh, Danny, we'll start with you. Um, I think they're going to come and try and frustrate us. Um, I think it's going to be nil-nil right until the last 10 minutes. And and suddenly, from the bench, emerges Verdane Oliver. Verdane? And, yeah, and I think a cross comes in from the right, from uh, Hayar. And Verdane hits a bicycle kick off the underside of the crossbar. He's done it once already. Eight, exactly. Okay, Solby, nonetheless. <laughs> um, off the underside of the crossbar, off the line, over the line. Everyone goes crazy. Pitch invasion. Keith Carl's the new king. Well, maybe. One <laughs> nil, uh, Charles. Okay. For Dane Oliver. Danny, Chester. what about? Oh, hold on, sorry, Danny. What about the prediction for Forest Green v Colchester? <laughs> uh, that's going to be a 3-1 win for Forest Green nice and easy 3-1 win to the vegans lovely Chessie um, we're going to lose 3-0 oh. <laughs> you sound so happy pit- don't you <laughs> we're, we're going to get capitulated by them it is uh, if if the tactics remain the same we are just going to get absolutely capitulated by that team they're going to run at us and we are not going to know what to do oh Okay, well, uh, I'm going to go. For I'd an... love, to, I'd love to be positive, but I just can't be. I'm sorry. No, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I'm feeling quite the same. Maybe not quite as bad. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. I, I think that we will. I, I, I think we will score. We have been scoring goals um, against weaker teams, though. Apart from Plymouth, 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 Swindon, not not weaker teams at the time that we played them, either of them. True. So, so we True. are scoring goals. We're just not scoring enough of them, or at the very least, we're not being allowed to score enough of them by the tactics that we employ. Um, so, I do think that we will continue that little run of of getting a goal in a game. Um, goal scorer wise, I think Andy Williams, obvious choice. Um, but um, we'll, we'll go one nil up, and, and then Newport will equalise at some point in the second half, probably fairly late on, and, and, and it'll be just one of those where luckily they run out of time to win it. I hope you're right, Charles. I really hope you're right. I, I, personally, I hope I'm wrong, and we win it seven nil. But you know, I made that prediction on my awful appearance on BBC Radio Northampton on Friday morning, and uh, was wrong then. Didn't mention that earlier, did that? That wasn't part of the running order. Was no, it, it wasn't for it very was good out. reasons. <laughs> you let yourself down. You let the podcast down. I certainly did. You let the club down, Charles. Who knew it would take forty-four hours to walk from Sixfields to Valley Parade? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then, Neil. Your prediction. Oh, um, Newport Saturday, three p.m. Six fields. I think we will win two one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite worried about the fact that it's quite laughable. Go on, Neil. After Goal all, scorers. Neil. Uh, I expect one from Sam Hoskins, and I think Chris Lyons as well will get one. Okay, all right then. Well, before we go, uh, a, a slightly new feature that we're just trialling. Ooh! Name that bench. No, Name, it. Name no. it. Neil or no Neil? No. <laughs> Danny or no Danny? Vegans are us. <laughs> Have you tried the latest vegan sausage roll? Yes. Um, <laughs> Any other business? Um, I was watching the WSL over the weekend. Uh, Women's Super League for those not in the... No, Neil... No, I was, I, I saw hell of, a, I, um, hell of a strike by Man City, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was the first weekend. I think they've done quite a good job, actually, of um, putting it on when there's no men's football or whatever and it's an international break. Um, they put a couple of the derbies on. Uh, 31,000 at Man, Man City, I think. 24,000 at Chelsea. 
And uh, yeah, love it. Lovely old time. Enjoyed it. And um, you can download an app called the FA Player app who, where you can watch all the games on. Oh, that's pretty good. I'll um, do that. Which is great. Um, good quality football. No, good atmospheres. Really good. I really enjoyed it. Did you see the and, uh, on the, the the women's football thing? Did you see the link that they did link that there was stories last week in the press linking Phil Neville with the the manager's job at the <laughs> USA? Mm. Which I couldn't really understand because he's he's done an okay job with England, hasn't he? But he's not done a fantastic job. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one that one. I would say he's kind of done what should be expected of him. England are one of yeah, the top sides in the world, aren't they? So, yeah, exactly. He's done he's done what he should have done. Really, he's not exceeded mm. expectations or anything. And there's a bit of chatter about his management style and his how he treats the, the players and stuff, which he defended, didn't he, in an interview? They defended him as well, didn't they? they Did they? they actually? Yeah, they actually came out and said, you know what, we really enjoy working for him and, and playing. So, you know, if, if they're defending it, he must be doing something. I'm, I must say that whenever I've seen them all together, like at, when, was it the Euros or the World Cup earlier in the summer that they were in? It was the Women's World Cup, wasn't it? World, World Cup. Cup. And they always seem like a very, very together group of, of, of people, didn't they, as a squad? And, and I include, mm. you know, Phil Neville and the rest of the coaching staff with that. Um, there was a definite... A definite bond, you'd say, between them all. Mm. Mm. It kind of brought you back to the men's game a little bit because they did it did grow and grow, didn't it? That whole summer of um, of the mm. of the women's team, it just there, there wasn't that much interest. I don't think at the start, but they they seemed to galvanise the country again, like we did the previous summer. And when, once you got further and further, and they just seemed to have a lot more about them than women's teams have in the past for England, and they just seemed to have really raised the profile of themselves. And I think this is a big part of it the is is now leading into this massive attendances in the in the WSL and hopefully that can continue when um sort of through the season um just give a bit of momentum and it's good to see yeah I'd, I'd agree with that 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 does link quite nicely into uh this uh this weekend as well Danny because uh the Northampton ladies are playing um the scum from the other side of the Nen other end of the Nen they are. Um, they is are that on Sunday? And they're playing That's at Sixfields, six yeah. Uh, it's on Sunday, sorry. Sunday, Sixfields, two o'clock, I think, yeah. yeah. So uh, they've just got promoted last season to the, I think it's the East Midlands Premier League. So they've, uh, they're in a, in a fifth tier, I think, of the of the women's ladder. Uh, so get on yeah. down there. Yeah, I think it's free to, free to season ticket holders, isn't it? That's and right. Anyone who's got a ticket, anyone who's got a ticket to the Newport game uh, gets in free as well. Yeah, they lost 1-0. At the last weekend, I mm. think. Um, very, very tight, close game up somewhere near Sheffield. I can't think of the name. It's like Al, Al Whiten or something like that, the, the team were called. Yeah, I think, it, I think it was at home, wasn't it? But um, I think that usually they're playing the games at Spencer, they aren't are. they? Um, yes. And, uh, but this one's obviously at Sixfields. So good chance to good chance to go yeah. down. Hopefully they'll make a better deal of the derby than uh, the men did last week. Won't be hard, will it? Let's be honest. That's it then. Uh, looks like we're all worn out for another week. I blame the day. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it on social media. Tell your friends about us at the game on Saturday. Send a postcard to your nan even. It only takes a moment and helps others like you to find the show. My thanks to Danny, Chessie and Neil for joining me, Phil, our Newport fan, and to you for listening. We're back next week with more berating of officials, managers and players, unless we win, of course. Goodbye. Bye, Ash. Dear Nan, please bring me a vegetarian sausage roll. Ooh, sausage. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.